Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. The Ion College Basketball Podcast, it, it is presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's in a hotel in New York City. I'm in a totally different hotel in New York City. If you're watching on YouTube, Smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel. Please do that while you're here. Let's get into it. Before we uh, get to some notable results, and of course the Final Four and One, where I have uh, what some have described as an insurmountable lead, Mm. there is coaching news to discuss. And we're going to start with uh, Thursday's biggest announcement, and that's that Georgetown is now officially in the post Patrick Ewing era. The school fired its uh, its greatest alum on Thursday, one day after the Hoyas were eliminated uh, from the Big East tournament. Dead like we all knew this was coming. Uh, still, notable news that the Georgetown job is officially open. It is. It is notable news. By the way, I'm coming through. I hope my Wi-Fi is going to be good. I'm just saying that off the top. All right. I think I'm solid. I rebooted the laptop. There have been Wi-Fi issues in this hotel. I'm not in the middle of Indiana. I am in the middle of Manhattan, but hopefully we are good and we can get through this without. It sounds like you might be in in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I I heard they were having internet problems in Pittsburgh. We're going to get, we got to get to Pitt at least for uh, 20, 30 seconds before we close this show. Let's talk Ewing. Let's talk Georgetown. Yeah, it was inevitable. But they they did fire him, and they you know they termed it a parting of the ways. This is a firing. If you have years remaining on your contract and they pay you, you have been fired. So um, it's it's like it is. I was sitting there with the great Ralph Russo, a wonderful AP writer who uh, is, a, is a football first guy, but always does some awesome pinch hitting for the AP uh, this time of year with conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament, and he just. He had a passing comment at the garden last night and he was saying, no, this is it's like it's so sad. Russo actually asked Ewing the final question he'll ever get at a press conference as a presumably as a as a college head coach. 
And he asked if he wanted to come back and Ewing kind of gave like a little bit of a stock answer, but he said he kind of, you know, left that presser feeling like, yeah, this, you know, this really is sad, man. Like it just did not work at all. Six years, total flame out, huge disappointment. We've talked about it many times on the podcast before. Um, the, the page has turned, but, and, and here we are, you know, Georgetown basketball for the first time since the early 1970s is going to, I will say, presumably, I mean, anything is possible. You could technically rehire John Thompson, the third, if you wanted, but we'll have a head coach of that program, not connected to uh, the leg, the legend and legacy of, of, of big John, John Thompson jr. And so it is time for that. People thought it was time for it you know, three years before JT three got fired, but they went with Ewing. We wanted to wait and see how that went and it didn't work. It didn't work out. So I, I did post a, a story with some candidates. They're not all the candidates. They're just six names that came to mind. Patino is obviously the biggest name. I would keep an eye on Micah Shrewsbury at Penn state. Uh, there has been some buzz on Ed Cooley, but as you and I discussed on the desk at CBS sports network yesterday in between our, uh, our shows, I, I will Ed Cooley, if first of all, if he gets an offer, will he actually leave Providence? I don't know, but there has been some noise there. Mike Bray was in the top two or three last time when Ewing got the job. I put his name in. I put Jeff Capel's name in. Now, I don't know if Capel would be choice one, two, or three, but he did just cool his hot seat, and he's going to be back in the same exact position next season if Pitt, you know, is worse than seventh or eighth in the ACC. So uh, I had someone find me a, a few weeks back saying, you know, <laughs> Capel gets any sort of chance with Georgetown job, like he, obviously he'd take it. And then I put Mike Boynton on there as well. Uh, he's a young coach, has done well in recruiting, um, but I've seen the likes of Kevin Keats out there. Um, some rumors of like Dennis Gates could be actually bought out at Missouri if they'd really chase after him. I was told this by three different people in, in different ways. I was told Georgetown will hire either Rick Pitino, Mike Bray, or it will be a black coach. That it will be, it will be that. And, and Bray is considered a long shot, but uh, Pitino is the biggest, flashiest name. So that's the candidate pool that we are looking at right now. Uh, just some final numbers on Patrick Ewing. He finished seventy-five and one hundred nine at Georgetown, twenty-eight and eighty-one in the Big East. 2-37 and 37 in Big East games the past two seasons, just unimaginably bad. Uh, Georgetown was 175th at Ken Palm at the end of last season, 225th at Ken Palm currently. And so it got to a point where it wasn't even debatable. Like, should they give him another year? Should they ride this thing out? It just, it got, it was so bad last season. Like Georgetown loyals wanted to do it after last season. The school didn't. And then things got even worse than they were the season before, at least as it pertains to uh, some computer numbers. So we've known for a while we were getting to this point. Um, it is. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with Rob. It's it's sad. Like we've talked about lots of times over the years, um, you know, it would have been super cool to watch Patrick Ewing bring Georgetown basketball back to it, its place. Uh, among nationally relevant programs. And outside of one week in an empty Madison Square Garden where the Hoyas won the Big East tournament, that just was really never the case. So now the job is open, and you touched on some candidates. Um, the big one that generates all of the discussion is Rick Patino. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Georgetown's open. 
Some people believe St. John's is going to open. Those are two prominent jobs. St. John's is going to open. Yeah, I I would be I would be flat stunned if St. John's doesn't open. I think there's a good chance it opens today. If it doesn't open today, Monday is the absolute latest. So here's the question. Do you think Rick Pitino can pick between those jobs? Do you think both of those jobs will be on the table for him Mm -hmm. and he can pick which one he wants? Um, all right, here's where I, I don't want to say this. All right. Uh, I think that is possible. I think Rick Pitino would rather have Georgetown than St. John's. If you, you know, gave him true serum, I think that would be the, the situation. I would love to give Rick Pitino true serum. Uh, what in the world? Um, I think St. John's has more aggressively behind the scenes prepared to make a charge at Rick Pitino than Georgetown at this stage. I think there are more people that are gung-ho at St. John's about getting Rick Pitino than Georgetown at this stage, which does not mean that by Friday afternoon, even though you know Georgetown has been running an unofficial search here for weeks, let's be real, it doesn't mean that uh, that situation couldn't change with Georgetown. By the way, I feel like you. I hope you can't hear the sirens because they are blaring right now outside my window. Hopefully that's not bleeding through the podcast. Um, I don't know if he will have the outright pick. I am. I have now reached the stage where I'm at about a 95% that Rick Pitino will not be at Iona next season. And I think, I think St. John's is getting ready to go all out and just sell out the best it can to get Rick Pitino. Having said that, you know, the fly in the ointment here right now is the fact that Georgetown is open. St. John's is not as we are recording this podcast. So from a public standpoint, the Hoyas have a, you know, they have a slight lead in the in the race, you know, public facing behind the scenes. I, I think there's been at least a little bit of action for a few weeks here. If I were either school, I would hire him and I would try to do it to, to like, I know you can't technically do it today. He's still coaching, yeah. but you get the point. I would try to have that done ASAP. And it's not even like, Rick Pitino's super famous, and Rick Pitino's won national championships. And Rick, Pitino, like, for forget everything Rick Pitino's done. I'm not even basing this on his accomplishments and accolades. I'm basing it on this. I don't think you can hire a more sure thing than Rick Pitino at this age in this year. Who could Georgetown? I'm asking this from an honest place. If you yeah. have answers, give them to me. Who could St. John's or Georgetown hire that would be? More of a sure thing that within two years, within two years, you could reasonably assume this guy's going to have you in the NCAA tournament, and it might be quicker. There's no one. From a resume standpoint, it is irrefutable. Now, there is obviously the potential that you could say Rick Pitino versus candidate B, C, and D, and candidate B or candidate D or candidate C or candidate E, we look up in four or five years, and that candidate actually has outperformed what we thought Rick Pitino would have done. Because one of these coaches, one of these schools at least, is not going to get Rick Pitino. So oh, oh, sure. to- let, let me be clear for a second. Um, I would hire Rick Pitino at both schools. Yeah. If you're Georgetown and you could get Ed Cooley, that would be amazing. I think Ed would be great there. Dennis Gates has now won at a notable level at two different schools. I'm a mm-hmm. believer in that guy. I'm not saying Rick Pitino is the only candidate that would do well at these places. I'm just saying he's the first one I would offer my job to. I would as well. And he gives you – it's just – it's it's everything you could ask for. In terms of – for both of these programs, you need a hire that, ener- that energizes the fan base. I mean, 
Georgetown has lost a significant portion of its of its fan base over the past decade because the pro it's been sitting and St. John's has not been as bad as but it's been close. It's been sitting in the bottom three of the league. St. John's has not won a tournament game since the year 2000. 2000. In the year 2000 was the last time St. John's won a tournament game. At least Georgetown made a Final Four in 07. So we'll see. High probability with all of that. Um, I will go chaos theory on you real quick here. And this is just me thinking aloud because I was thinking about this randomly. I don't, I don't know if Ed Cooley it, it would leave Providence or not. But if Ed Cooley left Providence and took Georgetown, uh, Rick Pitino once upon a time started his head coaching career at Providence. And what? With that, and, and, what? And, Where did you read about that? And so, you know, that brings another Big East program into it. I don't have that as learned information. I just thought about it. If, but that would be domino on domino. So something to think about. Rick Pitino used to coach at Providence? Yeah. Prove it. I mean, I can just type in it in Google. <laughs> Literally like the first few. I mean, did you know that you can sort the data at Google? Did what? You, did you know that? This is outrageous. Yeah. This is outrageous. Yeah. You look so tired. I'm good. <laughs> I got a solid I got a solid six hours. We're good. I got about a solid. I got about a solid six myself. So uh, that uh, that's the situation at Georgetown. We'll see where it goes from here. There was even bigger coaching news, older coaching news, relative to you know the the time and place we're at right now. But definitely bigger news, and that's at Syracuse. Uh, more or less, fired Jim Beheim on Wednesday. We're going to get into that next, but first a word from our partners. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So Syracuse, not long after losing to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament on Wednesday, uh, more or less fired Jim Beheim after 47 seasons. Uh, Deadleg, we did a show on CBS Sports Network. I hope everybody watched it. Shortly after uh, Syracuse was eliminated from the ACC tournament, and we both said that uh, in that post-game press conference, Jim sounded like a man who knew he had just coached his final game. And then literally, I checked, six minutes after we went off the air, uh, it became official uh, that Jim Beheim is no longer Syracuse's coach. What did you make of, of the way all of that went down? Uh it was bizarre. Well, okay. More than anything, it was apropos. All right. Because we, you know, between 
it becoming publicly official and Syracuse's season ending, we had the only way that Beheim could possibly go out, and that's by getting cantankerous with the media and going back and forth and having another classic Jim Beheim tete-a-tete. And this time it came with, uh, with Donna DeToda, the, the great beat writer uh, out in Syracuse. And it, Syracuse bungled this whole thing. In fact, I have not read the story because it's been busy as hell, but I did see that Pete Thamel at ESPN did get Krzyzewski on the phone. And Krzyzewski is like, I, he, apparently he said something like, they got to they gotta make this right. Like this has to be, they can't do it like this. Syracuse announced it was moving on from Jim Beheim, did not use retirement or retire in the story. Hiring Red Autry, which was the expectation behind the scenes for weeks, if not months at this point. And Jim Beheim didn't have a quote in the damn thing. The man has been associated with this university since 1962. 1962. Very strange. Very bizarre. I was told Beheim really, for the first time, expressed to the entire team at the same time in his presence that... Uh, that this was going to be it. He said that after the loss to Wake Forest. And so they, like Syracuse had their quotes prepped and they had their story prepped behind the scenes, but there was just a botch with all of this. And it it it, it is like a bummer. I mean, the, I guess it couldn't go any other way with Jim Beheim. I guess he clearly, he got just, you know, it. he's getting ready to say goodbye. He's saying his goodbyes. Someone's just handing them a jacket, and they're just kind of—they're just nudging them right out. Jim, we'll see, we'll see you next week. It's nudging them right out the door, and uh, it was—I don't know—it was—it was weird to be honest. Um, there is a press conference on Friday here at Syracuse to formally introduce Adrian Autry to the media. I don't know if Beheim will have. Well, let me let me stop you right there, Mike okay, Waters. Mike Waters. Um, who's covered Syracuse forever, terrific reporter, writer, um, is at this press conference. Jim Beheim is there. Okay. And Jim Beheim is speaking. And again, I'm just following uh, what Mike Waters is tweeting, said that um, he felt while the late season losses were piling up, that it was time to retire and says that he talked to his athletic director about it last Friday but never really had enough time to talk to his chancellor, which is why the press conference on Wednesday, Jim says, seems so awkward. But he is now indicating he's known for about a week this is what he was going to do, um, which which I'll take him at his word. It just still makes it interesting, hilarious, that when it came time to like handle that, he just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. He just couldn't say the words and couldn't. Like there have co- there have been coaches who have in press conferences at conference tournaments say this is it for me, and and Jim just could not bring himself to do it. As I wrote on Thursday morning, um, people don't usually we, like we get in the moment so like locked in on how it ended and what it felt like and what it looked like, and the truth is when you you get some time between now and a different place in the future. We tend to focus less on how it ended and what happened sure. and just look at the totality of the career. And so 
this is something that was awkward on Wednesday and has created, you know, shrug of the shoulders over the past 48 hours. But, you know, after today, Jim Beheim is going to walk around Syracuse for as long as he lives as an undeniable legend icon and one of the most accomplished people in the history of this sport. And so I would say the same thing about Tom Brady or Joe Montana or uh, any baseball all-time great. Like You don't remember the very end as much as you have Michael Jordan. When you think about Michael Jordan, you don't think about the Washington Wizards. You think about 23 and you think about the Bulls. And when you think about Jim Beheim going forward, you won't think about losing to Wake Forest at the buzzer, uh, an awkward press conference. That time he accused Pitt and Wake Forest of buying teams. You'll just think about that guy was at Syracuse for longer than I've been alive. And look at me. I've been alive a pretty decent amount of time at this point. And and really took that program to a level that must have seemed unimaginable at the time that he took the job. Because the guy Jim Beheim replaced left Syracuse to be the head coach at Tulane. Think about that. That's where Syracuse basketball was when Jim Beheim took the job. He was replacing a guy who was like, you know what? I'd rather coach the green wave. Well, that was obviously wouldn't happen these days because those programs are two, two entirely different levels. But that's that's what Jim Beheim inherited. And where he took it was to a place where it was widely recognized as um, one of the biggest brands in college athletics. And uh, and and so that that will be his legacy. It, it won't be being eliminated by Wake Forest in the ACC tournament and then holding a weird press conference. It'll be that he took over a program and turned it into an absolute monster and kept it there for a long period of time. Did he stay maybe a year or multiple years too long? Probably, but that's not for me to say. Uh, Ultimately, at the age of 78, um, he, in conjunction with the school, decided it was time for somebody else to coach Syracuse's program. Red Autry uh, will be that guy and, and, you know, hopefully Jim Beheim will enjoy, um, you know, his, his retirement the way we've seen Roy Williams, even Mike Krzyzewski in recent times, you know, as somebody who can walk around that campus, go to those games and, and be appreciated for all the things uh, that he did. Interesting trivia time. I tweeted this the other night. Not really a trivia time, but it could be like a fun one someday. The last person Jim Beheim ever beat and the last person who ever beat Jim Beheim is the same person. It's Steve Forbes. Steve Forbes. How about that? Put that that in your notes. Put that in your notes. I had it in my notes. I apologize if the air... I thought it was turned off. The air conditioner turned on. I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I just tried to turn it off and it refuses to comply. I got the Jim Beheim of Walmarts over here right now. So I... uh, We can't... Let me just... uh, just, uh, As a listener, we can't hear your air conditioner. We could not hear the sirens. We can barely hear you. Okay. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, Jim Beheim's time at Syracuse was so long ago. Number one album in the country. Ray Charles's legendary, legendary record, Modern Sounds and Country Western Music. The Beatles had not even appeared on Ed Sullivan when Jim Beheim started at, uh, at Syracuse there. So that's also part of this. He has the longest association with a school 
of any person in the history of college athletics. Jim Phelan coached two years longer at Mount St. Mary's, but he did not go to Mount St. Mary's. Jim Payheim went to Syracuse, was a walk-on, played at Syracuse, had a few years where he was playing low-level pro ball and then returned, basically still had his home there and then was there um, from the you know late 60s, early 70s on. And so, yeah, this is this is a historic ending. It, it really is. And uh, it's the fact that it's 2023 and it's, and it's finally here. Uh, it's, it's wild. On a personal note, um, uh, back in 06 or so, I think it was, I went, I got to go to my first Big East tournament as a, not even as a functioning media member, but I was able to, to obtain a, a credential. And so, I was like, what the hell? I'll just do this. And so the first question I ever asked any coach in any capacity at the D1 level was Bayheim in the old in the old Big East. And uh, I've got the I've got the uh, the transcript somewhere in, in, in my pile of junk. Uh, but I wanted to save it. And I don't even remember what the hell I asked, to be honest. But uh, he took it well. And I was like, all right, one down. Let's do it. So he uh, he moves along. And now, obviously, in three successive years, in the ACC alone, uh, we've had the changing of the guard. We've had Roy, Kay, and now Beheim. That's not even getting into the likes of Jay Wright, but a lot of the the Hall of Famers, the the men who have won national championships, the men who are you know near or at the top of the all time wins list, they've moved on. And now we see what Syracuse can be in the era to come. I do think it will be a challenge, uh, but maybe Autry's got it to the point where he can get this thing where they can be a top twenty five level kind of program. Two out of every three years, you know, his goal will be to do it every year. But uh, we have to see. Uh, this is as challenging of a changing of the guard because Syracuse is not Duke. It's not even Hubert taking over at North Carolina. It's not. It's not Kyle Neptune and Villanova just lost on Thursday night. It's not even Neptune taking over Villanova, which is in Philadelphia, which is one of the best basketball cities in the country. It's Syracuse, New York. You know, the middle of the state. Winter's last half the year. And Beheim was able to – so much of Beheim's legacy is, is how he was able to recruit these incredible players from across the country to be willing to go and play in Syracuse, New York. How did he uh, do if, that, I wonder? I wonder. It will not be easy, but I'm interested to see what Syracuse can be because I don't know what it will be, honestly. I, I, If you told me 10 years from now Syracuse was able to maintain a top-four status in the ACC, it wouldn't stun me, but if you told me – yeah, Syracuse's average finish in the ACC in the 10 years since Jim Beheim retired is 10th. That would not shock me either. Um, we'll see where, where it goes from here. But a, uh, a major era is over, and that program needed a reboot, and it's going to be better for having not gone at least one more year with Beheim in charge. Yeah, um, my first year as a full-time beat writer was the 2002-2003 season covering Memphis for the Commercial Appeal newspaper. And Memphis happened to open that season inside Madison Square Garden against Syracuse. And so I remember in the week before, I had set up an interview with Carmelo Anthony, this fabulous freshman, Carmelo Anthony, and I, I talked to him. Which is and- no, by the way, as a small, that's not like Carmelo Anthony's hype was massive. So right. the fact that you pulled that off, you know, different era, but that's. Well, this stuff. this was the point is that, um, so I'm, I'm working through the SID. Again, I'm like a first time you know, relatively young beat writer. And I'm like, I guess you call the SID at Syracuse and see if maybe you can get Jim Beheim on the phone. I didn't know if you could do that. And uh, they were like, 
I, I don't remember exactly, but it was like, yeah, just call him. I was like, well, just call him where? How? And they were like, yeah, well, just in his office. He handles his own media. So just call. He'll answer. He'll recognize his voice and then just he'll talk to you. I was like, so I'm just supposed to. He doesn't know who I am. He doesn't know. Yeah, just call him. It'll be fine. I was like, okay. So and sure enough, it, ring, ring. Hello, it's Jim Beheim. I'm just randomly. I don't know. It was just an unusual yeah. experience the way that stuff typically works. And I remember him being uh, accommodating, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. and, and he, he, was, he was terrific. And then, of course, Memphis beat Syracuse mm-hmm. in the garden. And then Syracuse won the national championship that year, and that is the year that uh, that, that Jim Beheim was able to hold a, a trophy at the at the end of the whole thing. So um, he's gone. Red Autry is now the head coach, and we'll move on after this. I've had multiple people ask me, like, do, do you think he's the right guy for the job? I think he's the right hire. I have, I, I, I have no idea yeah. if if he'll do the job well. Um, and 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 I, I say that not specifically about Red. It's just that with assistant coaches, first-time head coaches, you never know. You never know. Sometimes you, know. you know you're you're Arizona and you hire a first-time head coach in Tommy Lloyd, and it works beautifully. You're Butler, you hire a first-time head coach in Brad Stevens, and it works beautifully. Uh, other times you're Louisville, you hire a first-time head coach in Kenny Payne, doesn't go so well. It's it's you you just do not know. So I I do believe he's the right person to be hired in this moment under these circumstances. Whether or not it'll work, um, we'll see. Uh, real quick, um, Georgetown, Syracuse having coaching changes in the same cycle, kind of interesting. Uh, Texas and Texas Tech. Since we last talked, Mark Adams resigned. We'll see where that goes. But Paul Mills and Grant McCaslin, Paul Mills and Oral Roberts are going to the tournament. Grant McCaslin could be going to the tournament. They've got a big game later today. Those are a couple of names to keep an eye on. But that's a job that op- I mean, <laughs> a job that opened uh, just after two years. So that was notable. Cal fired Mark Fox, which was inevitable. Stanford is retaining Jared Haas. This is the second straight year where there was the expectation that Haas would be fired. He has not, so he will get year eight. They have not yet made the NCAA yeah, well, tournament. What's the explanation there? Like, I'm listen. I don't ever root for people to get fired. Everybody's got families and mortgages, yeah. so I'm never like I can't. I, I'm I'm enraged that they kept yeah, this no, guy. No, I don't. Whatever. I don't. Yeah. I don't get like yeah. Whatever. I don't care about Stanford basketball. It's not my alma mater. Wish it was my alma mater. <laughs> I wish it was my alma mater, but it's not. I couldn't. I couldn't. I wasn't smart enough to go to school there. But like, I so I have no emotion in it. But like, what? I, I am shocked that they're 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 keeping him after yet another. And I say this as kindly as I can say it. It's no, just factual. It. After another disappointing season. I talked to someone about a week and a half ago. They thought it was ninety nine percent that they were going to move on. Uh, talk to someone else about nine o'clock on Thursday night. And they're like, mm, he might be safe. I'm like, he's safe. Uh, he might be safe. And lo and behold, they lose to Arizona, another sub 500 season. Yeah, by all means. I mean, if you can keep doing it, Jared Haas and they're, they, it, you know, we'll see how many players go into the portal. Uh, I, I don't know, but Mark Madsen is an alum who has, done a great job at a school nobody knows about at Utah Valley. And you have the window right there. Why take the easy win? Uh, why is this the case? 
honestly, Bernard Muir is among the nicest ADs I've ever talked to in my life. And I feel like his mental disposition is part of this. Uh, I don't know. Stanford's also not the job now that it was two decades ago. But why? Why isn't it? Uh, NIL situation is not great. And the transfer portal and getting guys in, it's just not as it, it, and theoretically. Now, Haas has actually been able to recruit NBA picks. Yes. Like three of them in the past five, six years. So you've actually gotten talent there. But I don't know. It's, so, it's sometimes I think, and I don't mean you, but I think I think sometimes people look at a program that's struggling and they say, "Well, it's not what it used to be." Well, like, does that mean it couldn't be? Because I, like, I they gave you hired the right guy. Could it be Stanford was a, a consistently awesome men's basketball program for a long period of time under Mike Montgomery? The idea that they would go this long without making an NCAA tournament when he basically made it every single year. I yes, I know different era, all that stuff. I got you, but. Man, you're not going to convince me that somebody can't win at Syracuse. You take all those things you think are disadvantages and you turn them into advantages. I I hear you. Stanford was bad forever before Montgomery as well, so there's that to consider. Um, I do want to get to games. I do want to. I and, and like I, I see people in the comments like it's hard but, to get players there. Like J- the problem, they got players. They've though. got players. Like the the thing with Jared Hass is not that well. He hasn't been able to get players. They've had like projected first round picks in this program under Jared. And it just has really never, never clicked. Yeah. Last thing on the carousel front before we talk some hoop, um, because I don't like my hours and days are blending together. I don't think we have podcasted on this podcast. I think we we talked about it on the show. And to anyone that watched both our CBS Sports Network shows, we appreciate it. And uh, GP and I in the studio yesterday together. That was a that was a lot of fun. I don't think we talked about it on this podcast, though. The beard candidacy at Ole Miss, I, we will see. Like he is a he is a leading candidate, but I'll reiterate what I said on the on our CBS Sports Network show and what I've said like two times, I guess, on HQ. I've just been told that he's a viable leading candidate, but there are significant hurdles that, frankly, at this point, might have been cleared. But from a legal standpoint, like they, Ole Miss is going to do. Every single thing as it should. I mean, if you're going to make this higher, it's it's if it happens and it could happen, it could happen today or it might not happen, period. Like I was told they could reach a point where they keep getting the football down the field, but then they hit the five yard line and then something, either something said, some realizes something, they're drafting the contract and and someone in a, in a position of power says, you know what, here's why and we're not going to do it. I'm told they're still looking at other guys, but Beard is in the mix at Ole Miss, and he is considered, at last check, the leading candidate. Um, and if that's going to get done, my understanding is Beard. If Beard is going to be the guy, I think like, I think by the end of the weekend it would happen. GP, maybe not, but I, that's my that's my read on it. And I just want to at least address that last carousel bit of news there. I don't know if you have thoughts on that or what. Um. No, I mean, obviously his name is the one most closely connected to that opening. It it sounds like, based on the conversations I've had, there are people at the school who are ready to do it yesterday, and there are other people who have um, a a bit of um, hesitation uh, that really want to make sure they're, for lack of a better phrase, crossing all your T's and dotting all your I's and making sure you vet this as seriously as you can vet it. But my experience with these types of things is once you get once you get this far down the road with seriously considering hiring somebody who has the baggage that Chris Beard will bring with him, once you get this far with it and it's publicly known, 
and it's being he's being described as a quote leading it you you usually do to 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 play along with your analogy you you usually do get that across the goal line um i, I at, at this point i mean we'll see where it goes from here but um th- there's too much conversation around this for me to think that it's just going to fall apart at the last minute it it can, it can it might sometimes things do but more often than not when you get this far down the road um it 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 ends up where everybody assumes it, it's going to end up. We'll see. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Um, before we get to the final four and one, this little game we play, some have said I have an insurmountable lead. Some have said it's tied. Yeah. We'll have to check I in st- with Nada in a couple minutes. Yeah. I still have not been surmounted. I feel like I feel like I, I, I've sidled you. I think that the mounting right now is, uh, is 50-50. I don't know how to phrase this. It's yeah, don't like that. It's not the best way. I, I think the way you did it's not the best way. <laughs> On oh, the way you did it's good? Really? I think okay. the way I did it was perfect. <laughs> All right. I have not yet been surrounded. Okay. <laughs> North Carolina lost to Virginia in the ACC uh, tournament. Barring a surprise, that's it. They're not going to the 2023 NCAA tournament. It's over for them. It's over for them. If Magic Johnson were if Magic Johnson were North Carolina, Standing at the NCAA tournament, what would he say? I'm not going to be here. <laughs> that is... he, he's not going to. It's a hell of a deal. I was asked, uh, I went on a CBS Sports HQ last night, and I was asked a very simple question that, that might have a complicated answer. I'm going to ask it to you the exact same way. What happened? Not what happened yesterday, not what happened last week. Why was this team not good all year long? Because it wasn't. That's the wildest part of this. This isn't a team that started poorly and then got good but didn't do enough to undo the poor start. Or a team that was awesome early and then like an injury or something. They were never good all season long. Why? I mean, you're just, just you discredit the four-game win streak over Georgia Tech, the Citadel, Ohio State, and Michigan State. 
come on now. You're going to just or, – or what about the other four-game win streak over Louisville, Boston College, NC State, and Syracuse? You're just going to toss that out the window like it doesn't matter? I am going to toss that out okay. the window like it doesn't matter. <laughs> they were up and down. I saw Armando Baycott, and I will paraphrase here. He basically said, the story of, of this year is we kept talking about last year. That is – that's actually true. It is. Uh, I, I – why didn't it work? Uh, let me list the reasons. Caleb Love took too many shots. This guy's outrageous. They took he took too many shots. Um, Baycott was a quality player, and he did like he was banged up at times this season. He was not as he was not quite he was good. Trust me, and I actually super appreciate Baycott never shied away from any loss, any moment, sharing his feelings. Armando Baycott. I applaud you on how you handle this thing from the start, man. Big time stuff. Huge. I love to see that. Leaky Black, uh, all pod jokes aside and and friend of forever of the pod, just the same. And I bet you no one feels worse this morning right now than Leaky Black because he's an all-timer inside the the walls there at that program. Just the way that he carries himself and, and how much he has done for UNC basketball. But, you know, Nance got her and they, and they didn't have a, a deep lineup and Hubert Davis didn't seek to, to get more burn from the likes of Trimble and Johnson and DeMarco Dunn. And they just did not have it on either end of the floor consistently enough. They weren't, they weren't great at what they've always historically been great at, you know, being killer on the offensive rebounding end. They didn't have that secondary break that was famous for decades and decades. And I'm not saying that Hubert Davis needs to, to go to the old reliables. He can be his own coach. He can institute his own system, but it was just an up and down team. And I don't, I don't remember it. Listen, there's been a, there's a thousand things happening in an hour. So I don't have all this in front of me. I want to say that someone after the game yesterday, um, if it wasn't a player, someone had mentioned like, well, this is on the media. I mean, sure, I guess we put them number one, but Carolina went 20 and 13. We, they could have been preseason 17th in the country, and this well, still would have been a letdown. So I, don't, I don't buy into all of that. That's well, well, that's the thing is people are like, well, they were overrated from the jump. Okay, sure. I guess it's impossible not to argue otherwise at this point. But, okay, what would have been them properly rated? Okay, I'm, oh, by the way, by, people are now saying – Baycott made the media comment. I'm still all in on Baycott, but I'll disagree. I'll disagree on that note. So I wasn't. Well, well, like okay. So Ken Palm had North Carolina ninth in the preseason. I mean, that's a computer. That's not some human getting caught up in the moment. It's an algorithm. <laughs> yeah. And they had North Carolina ninth. So if you want to argue North Carolina should have never been preseason number one, I hear you. I guess I can't argue against that at this point. You're right. But they should have. They were always going to be in the top 10, top 15, and they were never that all season long. So this isn't, well, you guys just misjudged this. Sure, to some degree, but this is a team that anybody ranking anything would have said is going to be good, and they just weren't. And we kept waiting like, oh, well, eventually this will come together. Remember what happened last season. And it just never, ever, ever got on track. And I, I think we're back to a place where people are asking big questions about Hubert Davis, because as I have pointed out many, many times, including 
a million times last offseason. The idea, and I still hear people saying this. I, I heard it as recently as yesterday. Well, North Carolina just got hot in the NCAA tournament. And everything else was based on a hot two weeks. That's not what happened. I know, but that's now, I agree, this is going to become the story of it. I think it has permeated so much that people are going to convince themselves that North Carolina suddenly got good and ended Kay's career at Cameron and made the title game, and that was it. That is actually not what happened. Right. They were good at the end of the regular season last season and then through the NCAA tournament. So they weren't good all last season, but they uh, – but. Th- but they also weren't just good in the NCAA tournament. People are saying that, and I guess it'll just forever be said. Remember that year North Carolina got hot in the NCAA tournament and everybody ranked them number one the next year? That is not what happened. North Carolina wasn't good for 10 weeks last season, but they were certainly good, the Tar Heels, for more than two. And everything hitting into this season was based on that. And it just didn't come together. And now people are arguing that, all right, are we sure about Hubert Davis? Because, you know, each basketball season is, you know, let's let's call it four months, right? Uh, Before the NCAA tournament. That's right, uh, roughly? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. Five five months with the postseason before. before Okay, well, then let's call it a five-month season. So we have 10 months of basketball. And they've been good for a little more than a month of it. The other eight and a half months, they've been disappointing. Yeah. Okay. Hire Rick Pitino to go to North Carolina? Is that what you're suggesting? I'm not. You said that, not me. Suggest it. I'm not suggesting. You go ahead. I would like, hey, sometimes you have to say some stuff to create a headline. And sometimes people do grab headlines off of things we just say. I wish somebody would like. Make a headline of Gary Parrish from CBS Sports identifies as a sun devil. I wish somebody would, would write that. Yeah. Never that. But it would be sometimes like uh, Matt Norlander said he thinks Tennessee is going to win the SEC tournament. Some, so, like, say this and, like, let's get a headline out of it. So, are you ready? I'll tell you what no, to say. You say it. Literally, you say it. No, I, I want you to say it. But I want not anybody aggregating you attribute this to Matt Norlander. I want you to say, if I were running North Carolina – I would look at making a change and I would try to hire Rick Patino to lead the Tar Heels into the future. Say that and then let's Gary get a headline. Just said Gary Parrish just said it. There we go. No, I was merely telling you what I think you should say. That's not how the aggregators work. The sound is you saying it, they will pull it, and now you have said it. You have said it. I knew my I downfall it. was always going to come with something I said. Carolina's out. So it goes. We will see what players do and do not return because so many of them still have the COVID year of eligibility, but Nada and I did talk about this on the Wednesday show. Uh, It would be best if most decided to move on and Carolina can try and just make something more of the guys on the team and who is coming in. Um, Caleb Love's going to come back to school. He wants to see if he can shoot 19% from the field on the season. There's nothing – perfect more perfect than Caleb Love going three of 15 from the field in 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 the game where North Carolina's NCAA tournament hopes uh died three of 15 this guy's something else remember when we had Leaky on and I said you realize if Caleb Love didn't come back to school that's like 20 extra shots for you guys yeah and he was he sort of chuckled a little bit but I was trying to tell him 
Uh, I've got HQ in a little bit here, and we got to pick some games, so I'll be real quick on this. UNC was a bubble loser. Michigan, Sia, not going to the tournament as well. That was another preseason-ranked team. Oklahoma State, probably not, probably, but I wouldn't I wouldn't put it absolutely out of hand. Nevada got knocked out by San Jose State, which has 20 wins for the first time in more than 40 years. Tim Miles uh, should and will be a candidate for the Cal job, so Nevada is on the wrong end of it. Um, you did have some teams help their standing. Rutgers won. Penn State, I think, is in the field no matter what. Mississippi State's in the field no matter what. Uh, Arizona State, Utah State, we'll see. Clemson's got a big game, so we can preview the weekend here. But we didn't want to get too much into the games that happened because guess what? With the exception of the absolute real ones watching live on YouTube, you're you're going to get – you're going to get – you're going to get uh, this podcast in your feed and games are already going to be going on. So let's – Let's pick some games and uh, and talk about what's what's awaiting us here on Friday and Saturday. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You sound like a man who's ready for the final four and one. I, I am ready and I, I have an HQ hit in like 20 minutes. So yeah. Some people have said I have a lead that is insurmountable. Nada, will you update us on the records? Well, uh, how do I put this? Hmm. Your lead has been mounted. I, have been, I don't think I've been. I don't think I've been surmounted. No, he. I've been. You've been mounted, not surmounted. The, no? the sir happens when I take the lead this weekend. I think that's what we're looking. What does no, surmount no, no. even mean? Is that even a word? I think surmount. It is. They they use it to when you climb mountains. So yes. that's why. So essentially, you guys are even fifty-one and thirty-four and two. Okay. Tell me where I to surmount is to overcome something. Yeah. Stand or be placed on top of. I don't think you're standing on top of me. I don't feel like I've been surmounted. But you have been mounted. I don't. No, I've been I've been caught, but I have not been overcome. I have not been surmounted, which means my lead is still technically insurmountable. I've been caught, but not surmounted. Game one. Sir, you need to be in politics. Don't ever let somebody tell you I've been surmounted. Don't let them out in the street start a rumor. I heard Gary Parrish was surmounted. Not true. I've been caught. But I have not been surmounted. Game one, Friday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Marquette versus UConn in the Big East Tournament Semifinals. You can watch it on FS1. The line is listed as UConn minus three and a half. This is on Trey Anastasio Court, by the way, down at the Garden. Shouts to the Baker's Dozen. Shouts to the Heady Heads. I will be in the building. 
for the always amazing Friday night doubleheader MSG special. I'm going to take UConn. Let me make sure this what I'm about to say is factually accurate because when it happened, it was Marquette lost at UConn. I was in the building for that. It was Marquette's only and biggest uh, loss of the season. Everything else had been competitive. That remains true. It also remains the last time Marquette lost. So every other loss Marquette has this season is in overtime or it's by five points or three points, five points or fewer, with the exception of the 87-72 loss against UConn that was at UConn. I will go UConn cover here. Am I hearing the music? I don't even have the board. What? What? Am I losing my mind? Good on you, Nada. I appreciate that. Huskies win and cover get to Saturday night. I don't want there to be a rumor in the streets that I was surmounted. I have not been. It can't be a rumor if it's fact, and I only need a couple more hours. How often do you think this has ever happened? The number one seed outright conference champion is an underdog in the semifinals of its conference tournament. 17. You think it's happened 17 times? That's my guess. I don't think it's happened 17 times. I think I think what we have taking place today inside Madison Square Garden is a rarity. It's disrespectful to Marquette. Oh, is it? I tell you what, the garden was outrageous yesterday. St. John's almost beat Marquette. UConn almost blew it against Providence. DePaul almost knocked off Xavier. But they all survived. All right, go ahead, take them. Take your, oh, I don't even have the shock and bump. Come with it now. I picked UConn to win the Big East tournament. But I'm okay. going to take Marquette <laughs> plus the points. Only because I feel it's disrespectful to the Golden Eagles as outright conference champions to be an underdog in the semifinals. I'm siding with the disrespected. All right. To maintain my insurmountable lead. Game two, Friday, 7 p.m. Eastern. Iowa State versus Kansas. Big 12 tournament semifinals. You can watch it on ESPN. The line is Kansas minus four and a half. And, of course, the big headline connected to that program this week is Bill Self has been hospitalized with what the school described as a, quote, illness. There was speculation. I only bring this up because Kansas brought it up officially. There was speculation online that Bill Self had um, suffered a heart attack. Uh, Kansas said that is not true, but he did have a procedure done. And so my understanding is that, well, I guess I'll just keep it there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what? Like we, it's this is a little bit of a semantic. Like he had a procedure done, but it wasn't technically labeled as a heart attack. That's a fair way to put it, right? Yeah, I think that's fair. And he's not going to coach the rest of the Big Twelve tournament, and uh, hopefully, he can be there for the start of the NCAA tournament. But he's said to be in uh, good spirits and stable condition, and Kansas will make a go of it without him. Uh, wish nothing but the best to Bill Self and his health, and he can be better soon. But Make sure you're good before you return to the sideline because obviously coaching is, you know, it's it's very impactful on the cardiovascular system in general. Um, I will go Kansas. Uh, give me Iowa State to cover here. How about ISU, man? Anyone going to figure this team out? I, I don't know what the hell's I'm going gonna on. Them out. You're going to figure them out? I don't know if you are. I mean, we're about to find out. Oh, we could have a classic case of, a, of addition by subtraction going on here. We could. I mean, or or it's just – or, or – 
Iowa State is Baylor's kryptonite because the the past two wins are against Baylor at Baylor, and then they won seventy eight seventy two on Thursday. But you know what? Give, all right, I'll take the Cyclones to cover Baylor to win. I'll go ISU is inside that number. I'm rolling with Norm Roberts. Okay. We're going to lay the four and a half points. Kansas wins. Advances to the title game of the Big 12 tournament. Game three. Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern. This is a good one. Vanderbilt versus Kentucky in the SEC tournament. You can watch it on the SEC network. Line is UK minus seven and a half. If Vandy wins this game, it's going to be five and nine in quad one and will be 10 and 10 in the top two quadrants. It'll have a win and loss in all four quadrants. It's net is 82 here on Friday. It'll be 20 and 13 overall with a good strength of schedule. Let me just check its strength of uh, record here real quick. I don't know if Vanderbilt... Oh, man, it's, third, it's 39 in KPI, 49 strength of record. Those will jump. Its predictives aren't good, but its resume is, and the resume stuff means more. Vandy will have quite the interesting case if it wins, but it's not going to win. Kentucky to win, but Vandy to cover. Seven and a half? God. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Vandy to cover here, and you know what that means. You have autonomy over your own decisions, but if you want to box yourself in, you got to take Kentucky. I'm a, I'm a principled man, dead leg. I don't know if that's the case. Since when? I mean, I've never really been that principled. But like I'm trying to I'm trying to become more that way, you know? I I would like to be a principled man. So when I set rules for myself, I'm going to abide by them. I established the rule. I have to go opposite you game three every week. That means I'm riding with the Wildcats tonight. But that's a big number. It is. That's a big number. But I'll take UK minus seven and a half. Oh, game four. Oh, yes. Oh, buddy. Game four. (laughs) Saturday, 11 a.m. Eastern. The America East Tournament Final. UMass Lowell. That was Presley's alma mater. Versus Vermont. We're going to play this in Ted Bundy Gymnasium. What? Ted Bundy's from Vermont. Did you know that? I can't do that to, to the Catamounts, okay? I can do whatever this I want. This is also Trey Anastasio Court, actually. This is also Trey Anastasio Court. We got a, we got a, we got a dual Trey situation going on here. Insurmountable. Catamounts. Mm. See what we're. It's all connected. You can watch it on ESPN2. Ken Palm has it Vermont minus five over the Mississippi River Hawks. Elvis is alma mater having the best season of its existence right now. Oh, man, it's incredible. Vermont. Vermont has won the America East tournament. Let's see. It would have probably won in 2020, but we didn't didn't technically win. The whole thing got shut down. But it won in 19. It won in 22. Won in 17. It won in 2012. It has registered as the best team in this conference every single season since 2014, with the exception of one, and that was 2016, when Stony Brook finally broke through and made the tournament. 
UMass Lowell, man. We love to see it. This is a podcast special. I grew up all of, I don't know, an 11-minute drive from Patrick Gym- Gymnasium where this game's going to get played there. Were you friends with Ted Bundy? Not you know a chance. Shouts to Dorset Street. Shouts to Burlington Bagel Bakery. You yeah. ever play checkers shouts with to, Ted Bundy? Shouts to Pure Pop Records. Shouts to Church Street. I got shouts for days on the greater. Shouts to Lake Champlain. How do we not? Come on now. Come you on. Cup co- you ever have a cup of coffee with Ted Bundy? You know, he's from Vermont, since you know so much about Vermont. I will I will go. I'd love to take UMass Lowell, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna give that to you. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the catamounts to get it done. Their best player? What's his name, GP? What's the first name of the best player in Vermont? This is why we love college hoops. They What's the know. first name of the best player at Vermont? Yeah. Finn! Yeah, I think the best player at Vermont is um, Finn Beheim. Finn Sullivan? Yeah. But Jim Beheim does not have another child. There's not I, more Beheim I, I think Jim Beheim's got another kid playing at Vermont right now. Yeah. Jim Beheim may actually coach this game. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a wild scene when Jim, Jim Beheim steps in as, uh, as interim head coach here. Finn Sullivan, Vermont. They win and they cover. Who you got? No, are you kidding me? Ask me some stupid question like who I got. UMass Lowell's a five-point underdog. What? Disrespectful. Make the Mississippi Riverhawks a five-point underdog in a championship game? Get Sounds out of my face. Right. I actually think that's that's pretty accurate. No, get out of my face. All right. Making history tomorrow. Doing it for the king. In the same year that Elvis... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. In the same weekend where Elvis could win an Oscar on Sunday night. Not going to, but you just play along. Elvis Presley's alma mater punches its ticket to the NCAA tournament. Do you think Austin Butler will shout them out at the Oscars on Sunday night? I don't care. My God, if Austin Butler congratulates UMass Lowell at the Oscars on Sunday night after a victory over the Catamounts, that'd be perfect. That's what I'm rooting for. All right, you got Lowell. Game five. I don't have a line on this, but I got the Ken Palm line. CBS Sports Network, midnight Eastern. It's a bubble special. Utah State against Boise State. Broncos are in. Utah State is in with a win for sure. We'll see if that's the case. Otherwise, Ken Palm has it. Utah State minus one. Yes, Utah State, the team that is less secure in its at-large standing, minus one. Who you got? You kidding me? My favorite pair of shorts are Boise State shorts. I'm a Bronco. Look at me. Do it. No, that's not it. What is this? What is? No, what is it? It's bad. What does a Bronco do? I don't know. I, it doesn't do that. I think a Bronco has some things on it. Uh, okay. Doesn't it? You look, like you're gonna, you look like you're a Bronco trying to mount. That's what you look like right now. I could yeah. mount a Bronco. I feel like I feel like that's what a Bronco does. Something like this. We can always ask Shannon Sharp what a Bronco does. I ain't asking Shannon Sharp anything. That guy gets he gets so worked up so easily. I can't even talk to him. You got the Broncos. I will take 
I'll take Boise State as well in that one. Wanted to give you five games and five conferences. A few lingering notes for me, and then we can get on out of here. Big Ten tournament's been insane. Rutgers, lower seed, wins. Ohio State, lower seed, is now going to play Michigan State on Friday in the quarterfinals. Uh, Penn State beat Illinois. It was lower seed. Lower seed's galore uh, in the Big Ten. It's been wild. Oregon and Clemson are a couple other bubble teams to keep an eye on in addition to Vandy and Friday action. That's going to be intriguing. Uh, UAB, North Texas. If North Texas can win, I think we've got uh, we've got an interesting case potentially building there. Certainly, if North Texas can compete with FAU, that's one to keep an eye on. Arizona State plays Arizona late. Some think Arizona State's in. It's definitely in with a win. I think that's the majority of your bubble stuff. Rutgers' situation is going to be fascinating if it does not beat Purdue. There will be no debate if Rutgers wins, but keep an eye on that as well. I'm super eager to get back to the Garden. We're loaded up with games. It's uh, Thursday was awesome. Friday will be just as good. We'll see what, what develops. We had uh, You and I did that CBS Sports Network inside college basketball, those highlight shows. It felt like five games came down to the last shot that didn't go in yesterday. Maybe we're going to get... We'll get a buzzer beater uh, on the other end of it, and we can get some uh, some real, real interesting stuff. But, you know, no shortage of, of urgency from noon Eastern until well past midnight again. That was a terrible Bronco impression that I did. Oh, it was, it was, it was horrendous. Yeah, you're not you're, you're not going to recover from it. Uh, that's, the, that's the sad reality. That was irresponsible of me. I, I got a little cocky. I don't, t- I don't typically impersonate things without practicing it previously. <laughs> I got a little cocky. I Sorry. tried to go live, just like Chris Rock. Got a little cocky. Said, "I'll just do this whole thing live." Yeah. Um, little programming note because I'm seeing it, seeing it in the chat. First of all, people asking if I made the bed behind me. Yeah, I made it. It's it's a solid enough effort. Yeah, it's, I made the bed. Uh, I made the bed. Okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I got a few little rings. It's not taut. I know it's not taut. You want it taut? You want the sheets taut? I don't have it taut. All right. Selection Sunday. We are going to have a show that night. If you are trying to program your life around when we're doing it, um, it will not be before 10 p.m. We will certainly aim to be going live before 11 p.m. So uh, general range is 1030. As always, if you want to know, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Ding the bell, because if you do that, as soon as we live, guess what? You get the alert on your phone. We're up and live. So I think generally 1030 is going to be the the aim. GP will be in the studios at CBS Sports Network. I will be in studio for CBS Sports HQ, breaking down the bracket. And uh, just watch, watch GP on CBS Sports Network and or me on CBS Sports HQ. They are going to be incredibly fun, entertaining shows. I've been told I'm going to the big wall and just... Going nuts on the picks. I can't wait to uh, to do that on Selection Sunday night. After all, all of our programming there is done, we'll gather. We'll give you everything you need to know about the bracket. The huge, huge Sunday show. It's our most listened to show of the year, understandably so. So can't wait for that. But before we get there, Friday, Saturday, auto bids galore. Starts with the breakfast ball, UMass Lowell, UVM, and then all the way deep into the night with uh, with the Big West title game. And then we got Sunday. That's what I got. I got HQ in like five minutes. I got to get out of here. You know, if you Google Bronco, a bunch of Ford Broncos pop up. You can't even actually see an actual Bronco. You can you can sort the data on Google. 
That's all I'm saying. I got to look into that. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Hawk Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple and Spotify. Over at Apple, leave a nice review. Five stars. Type some words. There's more of us than there are of them. That goes without saying. Look at that bed behind Norlander. That's an us bed. (laughs) If I ever seen one. That's an us bed if I ever seen one. My my wife is not with me and she doesn't listen to the pod. I want to be clear. It might be an us bed. That's an us bed. bed. There's nothing. Just me. That's that's an us bed. That's it. A them ain't never slept in a bed like that. That's an us bed. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. We'll talk to you again on Sunday night. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bad. Do average 29 and 11. God, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing.